0: guys thanks for tuning in for another episode with me nick and my buddy ronnie how's it everybody but yeah ronnie like a weekend of, of champions and challenge cup rugby i also had a, a big swim this weekend prepping for the eight mile i did a seven kilometer swim there at prime view and i was expecting to be pretty broken on monday i must admit i was quite surprised that i could you know lift my arms up
1: So what you're saying is you're swimming fit and your rugby days are over
0: my rugby days have long time been over you did tell me about a dream you had what of tackling an all-blacks player
1: yeah so i dreamt about my old school taking on the all-blacks and we played the all-blacks and we were losing outright and the ref was just completely biased against us the referee he owned up in the game he said look if i don't i don't blow in favour of the all-blacks it's gonna be big trouble so yeah i guess it's safe to say i have Taken on the All Blacks.
0: Just a quick question then. Out of the whole All Blacks squad, I actually don't care what era, who do you Uh, think you uh, could uh, tackle? uh, We had this discussion. Bowden Barrett. (laughs) I can just see Bowden burning around you. I think I might go for someone like Piri Weepu.
1: Piri Weepu is massive. No. Piri Weepu is like a head taller than you are, my friend.
0: But he's got the scrum half mentality. You know, he doesn't like running into forwards. (laughs) Yeah, that's I've, i don't know I've, oof, if
1: i had to think of a real all-black to to actually tackle it would probably be someone like
0: uh no someone aaron smith, aaron smith. that's not a bad one hey but yeah i reckon ta- trying to tackle perry would be a short way for me to end up in the icu <laughs> tackling any of yeah, them I've actually chose. would probably tackle, to tackling
1: too. any of them yeah absolutely yeah. yeah the only reason why i chose bone barrett is because i figured i could uh let him get past me but then you know Kick into a higher gear, chase him down and ankle tap Sort of.
0: Ronnie, if, yeah, I would love to see something like that happen one day. Maybe we'll see it on, on the Xbox when we play from time to time. Right, Ronnie, jumping into the weekend's action, where do we begin? Hey, Ospreys beating the Tigers 27 26 at the Tigers home ground. Yeah, all I
1: have to say about that is well done to the URC teams, you know. Well, bloody done to the URC teams. We're genuinely, I mean, we've outperformed. All, all our URC teams are, are doing exceptionally well, getting through to the knockout stages. I think one or two didn't, but uh, yeah, for the vast majority of them, we did it really well, especially all in the Champions, right? So the
0: eight in the Champions Cup all made it through. 100%. It's unbelievable. And I mean, Ospreys are really not doing that well in the URC. You know, they are mid to lower level of the log. And here they are beating the Tigers, one of the strongest English sides. That's quite a statement from both the Ospreys as well as the URC division teams. So you don't reckon, we, we spoke
1: about this last week, maybe, but you don't
0: reckon Porthwick's
1: uh, departure from Leicester has any impact?
0: I think it definitely has an impact, but I don't think you can take away from the Ospreys. It was a home game for Leicester, even with a bit of a coaching shake-up. You know, the Sharks had a coaching shake-up. The sharks had
1: a coaching shake up for sure. They also lost over the weekend.
0: <laughs> True, I suppose that uh, makes a different kind of point there. And then, what did you make Ronnie, of the big thirty-one-seven victory for Leon over the Bulls? The Bulls, to me, just looked like they were not there to play rugby.
1: I was a little bit concerned, obviously, when they when they when Leon obviously beat the Bulls, thinking, "Will the Bulls make it through to the to the playoff stages?" And again, the they had. Other games uh, had to first play out before we knew where they ended up on on the log. But yeah, the Bulls didn't seem to be in it at all, really.
0: Yeah, I remember texting in our, our mate's Superbrew group, you know, at about 20 minutes in, I said, unfortunately, boys, this is going to be a 50-pointer against the Bulls. I thought Leon would run away with it a bit more. The Bulls did manage to sort of tighten up in the second half, but that is a, a bad loss that they suffered there. So
1: put a little asterisk next to this so we can revisit this one, right? So you 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 extrapolated from the first half performance and projected a 50-plus uh, win for, for Leon, but it didn't happen. So put a little asterisk there. We'll revisit this in a short while.
0: I'm a little worried about revisiting that now. I'm wondering if I've done something wrong with the math. And then we go over a much-expected victory, Leinster 36-10 racing. That knocked racing into the... Challenge Cup, last 16, and they will be coming to Joburg to face the Lions. But strong victory from from Leinster. I thought Finn Russell, again, showing his class up against an inexperienced fly half in Ross Byrne for Leinster. But pretty good game, I must say. I did enjoy watching it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well done to Leinster. They are the team to beat in any competition that they actually take part in, right, so they it's, it's unbelievable what they've managed to get right there at Leinster. So well done to them.
0: Yeah, it's it's a true testament to something going right at that club. Like you say, dominating in the URC, dominating in the Champions Cup. And it's not just a once-off. They did this for the last three, four years. So they definitely know how to manage their squad. We could probably insert right here that the bottom four teams in Pool A are all French. Well, there we go. I didn't even pick up on that, Ronnie.
1: I, I pick up on things like that because I'm a genius.
0: Yeah, I'll have to give that one to you. And then we look over Stormers getting a nice 30-16 victory over Clermont in Cape Town. They're always comfortable playing at home. It's been more than a year now since they lost there. But I think the big standout for me in this game, what a performance from Herschel Yankees off the bench. I thought he when he came on, he really got the Stormers' back line firing. I think they were struggling for quality ball before that. And hopefully this is the start of his return to form.
1: Yeah, I think we need that. Well, I don't, we don't possibly need that. We've got some great other uh, scrum offs going, but it's good to see old Herschel performing again because he came onto the park for the Spring Box and, you know, his, his debut season was fantastic, you know, securing a draw against the uh, All Blacks, right? And uh, taking a win for us against the Wannabes when he first performed. And then he kind of lost a bit of favor. We spoke about that a couple of weeks ago, months ago, maybe. So we just want to see Herschel back. In, in four.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you look at that, but then you also think Jaden Hendricks is performing well, Grant Williams is performing well, Kürbis Reiner, the clerk. it's a conveyor belt of nines. It's actually unbelievable how many number nines we have in the in the competition at the moment, or fighting it out for the Springbok starting top spot,
1: Yeah, top spot. So we spoke about it as well. Uh, you know, why did we take so many scrum-offs on tour and not enough centres? We just, have that, we just have incredible scrum-offs. You know? Who do you actually pick? Who are your top three scrum-offs, really?
0: It's because you can fit four of them on three plane seats, so it's cheaper to take them with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good
0: one. Thanks, Ronnie. And then I see I accidentally skipped over here. Harlequins taking a 39-29 win over the Sharks at the Stoop. Very, very commanding performance from Harlequins. Andre Esderhais in a beast. Wilku Lowe also had a very, very good game. And I actually really enjoyed watching Marcus Smith play. Yeah, for sure. So do you think uh, the Sharks lost because they deprioritized this game? No, I don't think so. I think it was just a, the Harlequins at home, very, very difficult side to play. We did the same thing to them at home Yeah, And you know what? I actually loved this game for one, one reason. There was no stoppages. There was very little interference from the TMO. There was mm. no cards. It was a good, hard mm. game of rugby. And then we cannot go on without talking about Irvin Etzabeth's genius moment. Joe Mahler going into the ruck, trying that Caterpillar ruck nonsense, not binding fully onto the ruck. Irvin pinches it and runs in for a try.
1: Well, after that obviously happened, did you see Joe Mahler deliberately uh, pointing out that his shoulder was bound to Irwin, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in, in subsequent rucks, you know? So by all means, look, that whole Caterpillar, that that's where they just link up like that, I, I personally don't enjoy that. That's just a little bit ridiculous. I mean, Springboks do it. The French do it a lot. But nice of uh, of all the to sort of see how see a way around it. And uh, if they weren't bound by the shoulder, then the ball was all his. So yeah, any 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 play that sort of nullifies that sort of caterpillar racking bullshit, if you will, good on them.
0: And then just one stat that I found particularly interesting. Sia Khaleesi is the top-ranked offloader in the Champions Cup. I didn't see that coming. He is really, really playing very well at the moment. Then, Ronnie, we take a look. Exeter Chiefs getting a massive 43 victory over Castres. As you said, a French side. The French were struggling a bit in this competition and commanding victory for the, the boys from England.
1: Yeah, you know, well done to Exeter. I mean, they've definitely shown to be quite strong over the last couple of years. Uh, so, you know, us getting familiar with the URC, we've also started, got to start getting familiar with uh, the Premiership teams.
0: Yeah, and, and the Chiefs have some good Lucys in their pack as well, which give them nice momentum. And it really allowed them to bully Castros. And then I'm quite chuffed with this victory as well. Another URC side, Ulster 22-11 victory over Sale. That is a victory I wasn't expecting. It's only two, three weeks ago we were talking about Ulster going through a slump.
1: Yeah, well, I think they still haven't hit their stride yet. So, Ulster, you know, although they beat Sale, uh, I think there's still much to be desired with respect to their performance.
0: Yeah, definitely. But it's a, I mean, that's a big victory. Sale's another top English side. They're always in the top four of the Prem. You mean a top um,
1: South African side?
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> that too. And then Toulouse, they played to win. 2016 victory over Munster. But also another incredible game. And yes, Ronnie, I did steal your joke.
1: You stole my joke because I was going to say Munster didn't play to lose. But they did lose.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I had to beat you to the punch there. But another very, very good game. Unfortunately, a top 14 side coming out on top over a URC side. But, you know, Munster have have really, really improved. Well, you say improved though, right? But this is,
1: uh, you know, we can probably talk about this as well. I I don't always find that a win against or... uh, a win against a French team or a close loss like that you know, means anything I find that the French often deprioritize the championship over the top 14, right? So they, they look for different ways of getting into the top 14 and winning their top 14. You know, that, that, that's one way of getting into the Champions Cup. They've just seemingly deprioritized this year's tournament.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. So so good victory there for Toulouse, close by Munster. And then I think the most impressive victory for me from the whole weekend, Edinburgh, the Scottish side, twenty points, Edinburgh. fourteen Saracens. Well done, Edinburgh. Yeah,
1: I I I have to agree with this one, right? So we so the Saracens obviously are a very strong team. Look, they they went through some hard times by being relegated, but Edinburgh haven't exactly been the out the the, the top performing URC team, and for them to take over and and, and beat who. You know, a very strong side like the Saracens was just amazing to see. And, uh, you know, the URC. well done to every single one of the URC teams.
0: Yeah, that wraps up the the Champions Cup games. And looking over at the Challenge Cup, Ronnie, Toulon only 14 points to 5 over Zebre. Toulon really going through a difficult point at the moment. A lot of criticism being levelled there against Cheslin. But if you watch Toulon play, they're really not playing that attacking brand of rugby they were renowned for in their glory years. So, looking at, looking at Toulon, obviously, just narrowing. I mean, you could consider this a narrow win over Zebra.
1: If you look at their first game against Zebra, the same thing happened. And when we were picking our picks for Super Brew, we thought, yeah, how do we actually take this? Because Toulon should theoretically put 20, 25 points over Zebra. That's not the case. It just seems like they don't do well, or at least Zebra does exceptionally well, to nullify you know, that sort of attack from Toulon. Maybe it's like,
0: like you said, and Colby not really firing. Yeah, so that's that's a bit of a disappointing season from Toulon in the Challenge Cup. Then the Lions getting a much-needed 40 to 35-point victory over the Dragons. That one a lot closer than it should have been. You know The Lions failing to capitalize and having quite a few blipses on defense. I know it's frustrating quite a few of our friends that are Lions supporters. With They're that the... said, though, I mean, a win's a win, right? So the Lions haven't exactly won much in recent weeks but they'll take this win happily. And, and you know what? They managed to,
1: to make it off into the knockouts as well in the Challenge Cup. So well done to them. By all means, a win's a win's a win.
0: No, you're right there. win is a win. And saying that, Cheaters also deserve a big shout-out, nine points to six over Powell. But I think they deserve a special mention for a side that's been kicked out of Super Rugby, been kicked out of the URC, has no Premier Division competitions to take part in, playing all their games overseas comes up with a win like that and makes it into the last 16. Well done boys. Yeah.
1: And it came down to a kick right at the end there, right in the death. So that was well done to the cheaters. Nine six is uh it's not a beautiful win, but for for big rugby fans, you know, they'll love a close game like that.
0: And Sia Masuku, very well done for slotting that one. Ice in your veins. Right. I really would like to see you getting some more opportunities. Maybe a bigger union can snap him up though you don't want to see the Cheetahs losing more players. But yeah, Cheetahs, well done. So Lions and Cheetahs both making it through as well to the last 16.
1: Yeah, so all five South African teams making it through to their various playoff rounds. And you see teams, fantastic to see.
0: And then Ronnie, we noticed from Sears social media, him and Irvin are on the way home. I believe Irvin's getting married soon and they're back for the bachelor's party. I can't imagine how wild that's going to get. Yeah,
1: that could be something. I reckon those guys could put uh, quite a few beers behind and Yeah,
0: that, that's going to be a lucky weekend. And also, I think they're so, in a much-deserved break now, you know.
1: So, to me, I obviously had this wrong, right? Because we spoke about the Springboks having their off-season now, coming for February and March. So, I figured, I was of the opinion or the impression that, uh, seeing as the Sharks were already through to the playoffs, they would deprioritize that game. They would put a couple more springboks into the URC game that's coming up this this weekend, uh, and that's why I thought we'd see the likes of Eben and Sia playing in the URC tournament to gain a bit of ground or territory on the log on the URC before they went on a break. But that wasn't to be, and I'm wondering, I'm I'm trying to rationalize that decision. Why play all those springboks in a game where we'd already secured playoffs? Um, and not play them in in a game where we could do with some long points
0: I think the thinking behind that is that the Sharks have outwardly spoken that they're prioritizing the Champions Cup they want to win the Champions Cup so it's vital to at least get a bonus point out of this game to secure a home ground advantage and yeah I mean other than that maybe they've hit their 32 game cap I haven't done the calculation but I mean 14 tests plus however many appearances they had for the Sharks they must be nearing that and why not rest the boys if you can afford it? I mean, we have some some locks. We have a lot of flanks. So giving them some rest. And Sia's got a return for the launch of his uh, documentary.
1: Sure. I, I agree with all of the above, although I just felt that uh, putting in some big shots into the ULC performance would, would have counted uh, more favorably towards the Sharks' ultimate goal or, or locked-in performance.
0: Yeah, well, well, only, only time will show us if that was the right or wrong decision. But one thing you cannot doubt is that those two players have earned a break and hopefully this will sure. freshen them All the springboks. Yeah. All the springboks.
1: When we talk about this, is, I mean, it's a year-long season, right? These guys need a break. And yeah, absolutely. February, March, absolutely needed. And you said it last week. Time uh, coinciding with the Six Nations, meaning the other teams also don't have the international players. And it is a smart decision to, to have them out, sit down for, for two months.
0: And then, Ronnie, just to take a look at the South Africans and who they're going to be playing in the competitions. So the Lions are going to be hosting a last 16 game here against Racing Metro. That's going to be a good one to watch there in Joburg. The Cheetahs are going to be away to Toulon. That's also going to be a very big one. But if Toulon's only beating Zebra by nine points, I believe in the Cheetahs. I'm backing them all the way. And then over to the Champions Cup. So the Sharks and Stormers both get to host home playoff games. The Stormers will be hosting the Harlequins. I must admit, I am super eager to see Marnie Lovol go up against uh, Marcus Smith. So, hoping that comes to fruition. The Bulls will be away to, to lose. That's going to be a tough fixture for them to to take on uh, to lose. Very very good French side. And then Sharks hosting Munster. A bit of a known quantity. I think that might help the Sharks a bit. And it's on the weekend of the thirty first of March. So high humidity. Yeah, look,
1: I think for me, the biggest takeaway there is I'm just glad that the, 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 it didn't turn out that the Bulls have to play the Stormers or something like that. You don't want the South African teams knocking each other out in, in what, what are these the quarters,
0: right? The top 16. Correct. So it would be great. I mean, if you can have five South African teams make it through to the quarterfinals, that's almost a third of all the teams that qualify. That would be pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, you're rightly so. So it's a third of all the teams that made it through to... I mean, I mean sure, whatever. Okay, you're skewing the stats
0: of it, but we'll accept it. Well done to you and your lawyer. And then, like you said, Ronnie, URC is coming this weekend. Edinburgh versus the Sharks is probably the game for me, especially after Edinburgh managed to down the Saracens. That's going to be a good one to watch. But yeah, switching back to that URC focus is going to be, going to be quite a change. Some teams that are performing there don't perform in the Champions Cup, and then vice versa. You've got teams dominating in the Champions Cup that aren't really performing in the the URC.
1: Look, URC though for me is still the priority here. I know that we talk about the Champions Cup and Challenge Cup, but for me the URC, I'd love to see a back-to-back season go to the go to South African team. So for me that was important to prioritise, and that's why I brought up the the point of why not prioritise the URC with respect for the, to the Sharks players. Then uh, simply simply sending them home after playing a a game that we didn't really have to win against the holoquins
0: no that's you have a point there and then just before we get into the, the one of our big talking points and the fans topic i just quickly want to run over the springbok fixtures just that everyone has them in their diaries guys put these in your diaries now so that when you get those silly invites to The odd this and the odd that, you've already got it in your diary and you're not only coming up with an excuse at the moment. The Springboks will open the Rugby Championship on the 8th of July. We're going to be playing the Wallabies here in South Africa and Los Pumas versus the All Blacks that side. Then on the 15th of July, Springboks are going to be away in New Zealand to play the All Blacks. Then it's going to be a week off and we hit the third round of the Rugby Championship on the 29th of July. The box will be playing Los Pumas here in South Africa. And then there's a bit of a break. These are now outside of the, the normal competition windows. We're going we're to go over to Argentina on the 5th of August to play a World Cup warm-up game. Straight after that, we're going to head over to Wales and play a game against the Welsh on the 19th of August. And then a week later, the 25th, we're playing a warm-up game against the All Blacks at Twickenham. So those are six games to prep for the World Cup. And then you obviously have the four World Cup games coming. Starting from the 10th of September, we're playing Scotland. We are playing Romania. We are playing Tonga and then Ireland. So 10 tests guaranteed for the box this year. Hit them in the diaries and do not miss them for anything.
1: Yeah. So just, just clarify that. There's three warm-up games, one against Argentina in Argentina,
0: one beat Wales, and one be the All Blacks, right? Correct. And the one against the All Blacks will be at Twickenham. So it's going to be interesting to see if the squad remains in Europe after playing Wales and the All Blacks or comes back for that week before the World Cup starts. I'm not sure how they're going to handle that. But yeah, six games is not a lot of preparation before they hit the World Cup. And that's going to be a tough tournament. And at least at least as well, Ronnie, we're going to save a bit of money this year. We're only going to have to travel to two Springbok games the one against Los Pumas and the one against the Wallabies. Hopefully one of them is in PE. I wouldn't mind visiting there again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. PE is a great stadium. You spoke about all those football stadiums that they put out here in South Africa. Those are fantastic. Facilities planning was done uh, splendidly at those those, uh, those stadiums. So anything in Cape Town or Soccer City or PE, I'd love to watch a game in any of those
0: places. I would be very keen. And Cape Town is another place I'm eager to visit. So unfortunately, venue's not confirmed yet, but we will let you guys know when that happens. And then Ronnie, a bit of a odd thing happened. Makazolo Mapimpe getting a ban for alleged eye gouging or as the official charge, contact with a player's face or eye area. I thought, you know, okay, maybe we didn't see it, that the they had other angles at the disciplinary hearing. But then to hear Neil Powell come out on Friday and say, listen. Mpimpi's been banned for two weeks but no one's shown me or the player the footage. I question a decision like that.
1: Yeah, so obviously at the time we were talking about it because uh, it was, Luca was, was obviously pointing out to the ref that there had been an incident that had taken place uh, and we said, yeah, look, there's no angle, right? The camera panned away as soon as the alleged transgression uh, uh, took place um, and, and you rightly say so. I, mean, I was waiting to say that I, I, there was no Video evidence that I had seen anywhere, social media, anywhere. So, surely they should have something that's a little bit more concrete that they can provide to the coach and also the player. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that, that, that it's happened. But look,
0: he was going to take a, a break anyway. So, give him an extra two weeks. I think the Sharks missed him at the weekend, though, because he is one of the highest uh, meters gained and tacklers broken in the Champions Cup. Hopefully, that footage gets released so it can clear up a bit of the controversy. Speaking of controversy, though, the RFU, what the RFU doing, I mean, here they go and they change the tackle laws. You must now do waist high tackles. So hitting someone in the chest is now going to be a high tackle. But in the same week that they do this, their captain, Owen Farrell, appeals a ban and gets it reduced, attends tackle school to get it reduced. And then in good faith, the RFU go and write to Saracens and say Owen's available for your game this weekend when no other English players are just so that it counts as an extra game for him to reduce his ban further and make him available for England so not really sure where the RFU's priorities are on this thing changing the tackle laws to protect players but then players like Owen Farrell who are serial offenders just getting let off
1: yeah it's definitely a loophole that they exploited and in both weeks uh interactions with the media i mean he was he was that question was put to him directly and he just had a way of skimming over it and sort of deflecting deflecting, and saying look he's the coach and he uses players that are available to him and he's been assured that Owen Farrell is available to him but, but you know that just like you said that just deflects from the actual issue here which is players should be sanctioned accordingly and should face their punishment um, fairly. So for him to, for the RFU to find that loophole
0: exploited, it's just, it, it, it's not in good faith, right? So that what we're getting to. It's not in good faith. It's not in good faith. It's really undermining the whole point that they're trying to make. And to me, it makes a mockery of this silly tackle law that they've tried to introduce now. I don't know, what do you think of this tackle law change, Ronnie?
1: Well, my understanding was that that was going to be applied to amateur rugby only, but are you saying it's, it's been expanded on and introduced
0: to the professional era as well i mean you never know if it's going to come like that but for now it's at amateur level so club and school rugby and actually guys you must keep an eye on our page for uh sunday belinda is writing an article she's had an interview with the guys from progressive rugby who have been pushing these measures to see you know what their thoughts are on the implementation and if it's going to be effective but i mean ronnie you and i've both played rugby yeah it might have been years ago but if you're going to hit an oak low, fine. If you get your head on this the wrong side, whether you're high or low, you're going to get concussed.
1: Yeah, I just always find that there, there is a there is an argument for a ball and all tackle to to sort of bear hug someone and take them down. And this this kind of eliminates that a lot. Perhaps what it does is add to a more attacking element, add a more attacking element to the game. So players are going to be able to offload a bit more, and their arms are going to be caught up in the tackle we'll see some more running rugby which perhaps some people would say is more attractive and is necessary to to make the game more exciting but I you know uh, let's wait and see because I prefer believe there is a case for a ball and all tackle
0: 100% Sonny Bill Williams is going to come out of retirement now I mean even Etzeved you're going to take him at the waist he's going to stand there like a quarterback and throw that ball out wide to Cheslin it's a completely silly decision for me and I really hope the RFU backtrack on it because it's going to spoil the game and, and what a lot of people love about it and the physicality. Yeah, they might be protecting the tackled player, but the tackling player gets no protection from a rule like this.
1: Well, you say that as well. You, you make mention of it. If, you just, if all the players are tackling waist height and uh, they get their head on the wrong side, perhaps we'll see an increase in concussion because of head-to-knee contact.
0: For sure. And by implying that it's going to take on more attacking rugby you're also then adding more speed to the game which means less time for decision making and that's going to make it easier to get your head on the wrong side
1: yeah for sure
0: for sure and then guys as we spoke about it last week we were taking in fan submissions now for topics that ronnie and i should discuss on the show so the first one comes from manier lawrence he's from blomfontein but now takes residence there in oz thanks for tuning in man we really really appreciate it Mm -hmm. So, his question. I hope he's enjoying to... the load shedding
1: free uh, live
0: over there. Yeah, I hope so too. So, his question to us was What do you guys think are rev- of a review system, same as the NRL in Oz, where a player, except if you knock a guy out in front of the ref, gets reviewed by a panel after the game with worse consequences? On field, it will only result in a penalty or a yellow at most, but if found guilty, you will be banned for longer periods this way at least you keep all the players on the field for a fair contest
1: so I read this and I thought this was actually a brilliant perspective on on you know punishment for players on the field. I think that there should be elements uh, and rightly like he says if you knock a guy out or if you do something that's clear and obvious and and ridiculous uh you should be sent up immediately but in most cases, if it was accidental, although accidental uh you know, Requires a red card in today's game, you know. Leave it for leave it for uh, a committee to sanction the player afterwards, and keep the contest fair. I think that's that's an absolute pertinent and uh, that's absolutely a brilliant perspective on it. To keep the keep the players on the field, keep the contest fair, but but and sanction them harshly, right? So you know, there's no mitigation factors. You can't bring something down from four weeks down to two weeks for a guilty plea or something along these lines. Be a little bit more harsh. Players will think twice about uh, transgression, transgressing on the field. But um, yeah, at least at least keeping an option there for clear and obvious severe transgressions.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. I think this is something that could definitely improve the game, cut on on the TMO time, and and increase ball and in play. I think a compromise between the current system that we have and a system like this is probably the twenty minute red card, where players getting penalized and you know, then someone's coming back on. But I, I must say, mania lawrence I'm in favor of what you've suggested here. I think it would drastically improve the game. And the only asterisk I could add to that is that the panel that gets to assess this afterwards is not based in England or Ireland. Or France. Or France. <laughs> so, no. yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, look,
1: I think I think it eliminates the cases where where you know, uh, a fan will feel like, oh, we were hard done by a very poor red card decision and we were reduced in players and it just made our lives so much more difficult for the rest of the game. So it takes that away. It says, okay, well, you know, you got penalized. The worst we got in the game was, was a, was a long penalty, cost us three points, or it cost us a position on the field. And, and, and that's that, right? And then... Afterwards, obviously, uh, if somebody like the like the situation, you know, they found that there was some evidence, there was some merit towards sanctioning the player, and then they go ahead and do that, and he sits out for a couple of weeks. But you don't, you don't penalize, you don't punish the whole team in the middle of the game, and and, and remove the competition from from the competition.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you, Ronnie. So I think we both agree with this submission. It's a good suggestion. So, yeah, thanks for that one. Guys, don't forget to drop us your topics for next week's episode. The winning topic will earn some Punted May Chom merch. So, get those in and check you back here next week. Absolutely, everybody. Cheers.